Welcome back to Kingdom Cast. It's your host, Good Luck Chuck. We back at it again with another episode. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, and share all your social media platforms. Uh, as the Chiefs, they are two days away from playing their last preseason game of 2022 against the Green Bay Packers. Um, got a few updates, you know, with the roster and everything. But before we get into all that, I'd like to introduce my guys here. Uh, top right hand corner is my guy, Country. Bottom right hand of the corner of the screen is my guy, Boogie. And then we got a special guest. He's the chief in the north. He's from the athletic. You know, he writes for writes the sub stack and everything. So we'd like to welcome Seth Kaiser. Or is it Kaiser? Hope I got that right. It's <laughs> it's it's Kaiser, but I've been called worse and it's always been true. So I wouldn't worry about it. Okay. All right. So glad to have you on, man. How you doing today? I'm doing really, really well. I appreciate you guys asking me on. It, it's always fun to talk Chiefs. Yeah, most definitely, man. And uh, yeah, man, that's a pretty dope shirt that you wore, though. Um, had to put that one up there. So, oh yeah, yeah, the uh, yeah, that 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 NFL Jam shirt. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, homage. They 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 reached out and they said, "What do you think of this shirt?" I said, "That shirt's incredible. Um, it combines two of the best things in the world: and NBA Jam and 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 the NFL. I mean, it's just it's terrific. So, I, yeah, I, I love it, man. It's uh, the only thing is they don't they could have just maxed out Patrick Mahomes all green on everything." And I don't know. They decided not to. That my daughter Isabel pointed that out. She's like, Patrick Mahomes isn't good enough on that shirt. And I said, <laughs> hey, hey Seth, you know what we got in common? Uh, I'm a military brat. So I was in Grand Forks, North Dakota for about four years from like 90 to 90, 93 or something, 94, like that. No kidding. So yeah, I understand what it means to be a chief in the north. <laughs> yeah. So you was listening to Jay Z in North Dakota? Uh, at that time, I probably was listening to Guns N' Roses. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I'll never forget. So <laughs> talking about North Dakota, you know. So I lived in I lived in Valley City, North Dakota, and Fargo, North Dakota, and kind of all over Minnesota and stuff. And when I was a, I want to say senior in high school. Um, the, the rock, the mic tour had a stop in, in Fargo. And so it was, it was 50 cent and Buster Rhymes and fabulous and chingy. And, <laughs> and so when, uh, which by the way, Buster Rhymes put on by far the best live show of any of them. I mean, it wasn't even close. Like yeah. you could tell he'd been doing it for a minute. Like he, he knew how to put on a show. It was really good. But when he first popped out, and then the, the Fargo Dome is a pretty big place, and it was pretty filled up, and people were excited. He looks around, and he goes, this ain't North Dakota. How is this North Dakota? And he was just, I think his mind was blown that there were, like, thousands of people that would uh, that, that would be at a, at a concert like that. And so that just that made me laugh talking about, you know, what you might be listening to. And there's, there's more rap fans than you think in North Dakota. There's very little else to do but listen to music there. <laughs> Dude, that's what's up man for real paul yeah, yeah I, i'm blown away yeah hey, buster, I, I was, buster rhymes is on my bucket list i, I gotta see buster rhymes he i mean obviously it's been a few years since then although he seems like he's as spry as ever but he put mm -hmm. on a terrific show um really disappointed I, I can say this 20 years later i'm not hating but uh I was really disappointed in Fabulous's live show. I was a huge fan, and I was like, "This is this is not it. The, the 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 flow, the tone, everything that made him special 
did not appear live. I think there's a little bit of auto-tuning going on when he recorded. This is not the direction I expected this to go, by the way. No one's asked my opinion on rap ever. <laughs> Let's ask the Baptist guy from Minnesota what he thinks of rap. <laughs> hey, listen, we off to a great start, man. So already I'm all for it, all for it Seth. Briscoe's gonna hear the beginning of this and fall over. Like, there's all kinds of stuff we could have been talking about. <laughs> So, so yeah, man. Um, you know, let's get a little start to the pod, man. Let's go on and get to a little bit of football here. Um, yes, we got we got updated news. Lucas Niang, he's officially on the pub list, so he's gonna be out like four to five weeks, I believe. And then we have Blake Bell. He just had hip surgery, so mm-hmm. he's gonna be out for a little bit. I saw that the Chiefs they tried to uh, claim Kendall Blanton off of waivers, but look like the I think the Commanders got in front of that one. So, I mean, that's the latest with that. Um, I want to ask y'all about Lucas Niang real quick because some people – I'm seeing some people starting to write him off because he's having struggles with injury history and whatnot. Like, is it a little too early to start writing him off? Because th- the guy is still young. Chuck, did you see C-Dot's uh, tweet today before anybody answered? Yeah, I saw it, man. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. Now go ahead. Slow news day. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just – okay. I'm – I, I think when you brought when we brought when we brought Niang in, uh, I'm I'm terrible with names. Seth, I'm sorry. When we brought Lucas in. He already was an injury concern mm-hmm. from college, right? Yep. So to be two years later or three years later and be like, well, he's an injury concern. Well, he's always been that. You know what I'm saying? So I don't I don't see how you can label him a bust when he is what he is. Right. I think it's uh, the, the problem with Niang, like you said, it's the same stuff that that's it's been injuries. It's been a different types of injuries pretty consistently. And you usually I view injuries as just bad luck. You know, that's just, you know, it's things just didn't work out. Sometimes you see guys, they'll go a year or two being hurt constantly and then they're healthy for five or six straight years. But sometimes it just continued just to happen. And the problem when you're dealing with a guy on a four-year deal is you can't wait for their luck to swing the other way. And that's kind of the problem with Lucas Niang, um, that they, he's just never been healthy for any sort of stretch to figure out who he actually is as a player. Um, I like Niang coming out, um, but it was all with the same caveats. If he's healthy, if he's healthy, if he's healthy. So now we're coming up on the last three years that he's been involved in football because you got his final year in school where he kind of tried to gut through with an injury. Um, then, you know, he took a year off and that's fine. He opted out fair enough. But then in the two years since then, it's just been injuries and injuries and injuries. So really three of the last four years in one of those years, he wasn't playing football. So that is tough, but I, I think it's a good point to, I mean, I, I you could say maybe it's a you know bust whatever you want to call them but but saying that it's not necessarily a surprise that might be fair too that's the risk you take that's why guys drop in the draft when there's some injury stuff because you never know whether or not it's just bad luck for that year or whether it's something that's going to keep going on and with him it's been ongoing unfortunately. Do you think we we got spoiled by uh, I'm sorry but do you think we got spoiled by Trey Smith? Did Trey Smith ruin it for late round picks in Kansas? 
I think Trey Smith um, in some ways would because it creates an unrealistic expectation. It's kind of similar to how like um, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick winning six Super Bowls over a 20-year period and everyone associating that as like one long dynasty, right? That's changed everyone's opinion on what a dynasty looks like. Um, You know, before you win two Super Bowls over a three or four-year period in the NFL, you were a dynasty. Now, if someone wins a, a Super Bowl, two, it's like, well, yeah, talk to me when he's got six. It's like, well, literally only one person's done that. It's never <laughs> happened in their time. And people tend to pay attention to the things that confirm their priors a lot, um, especially in the sports field. And people always, you know, oh, this six round pick, he's going to contribute right away, going to contribute right away. And then the one time it happens every seven years. People say, see, I knew it. This is why draft picks are so valuable. So I think there is some of that where people just have this desire for the new guy to be the difference maker. And when that happens with a Trey Smith or even with a second round pick like Creed Humphrey, people tend to read more into that because it reinforces the thing they want to believe. That's what I think anyway. I, I also think that hurt Kennard this year too because – People seen Kennard and they seen the potential of what he was in college. And right. they thought he was immediately going to come in and be the starting right tackle. And, and he's not that right now. So it looks like, well, maybe we should just cut him. It's like, you know, just give him. Everybody is a Trey Smith. It's not going to work out like that every time. I wish it would, though. That's impossible. I think I'm close to you, uh, calling him that B word, man. <laughs> I mean, he, we have a pastor on, Boogie, don't Respectfully. <laughs> Respectfully. I mean, even when Niang played, man, he it wasn't like he was just blowing us away. He was right. the weak link on the offensive line. He really haven't showed us anything to even be holding on to that right tackle position. And I don't think they think that either. That's why they drafted Kennard and they looking up other avenues. But I wouldn't – if Niang is not on this team next year, I'm not going to cry. I don't think he's a starter no more. He don't. He didn't look like he was in shape when he was playing, and he's injury prone. When we seen him play, he wasn't that great. That's Did he outplay Wiley though? Did he, was he better take, than Wiley? No, I would take Wiley over him. Okay, yeah, it was about even, maybe. Yeah, I and that's and that's a tough place to be. I think Andrew Wiley gets a little bit underrated. Now he he's got some limitations as a player, but because he's being compared to you know. If, you know, for one, getting compared to Mitch Schwartz wouldn't wouldn't be yeah. fair to anyone. So, and then right now, you know, you're playing next to, I mean, from right guard to left tackle, the Chiefs have the best offensive line in the league. Um, because you've got you've got two guys that are absolute Pro Bowl level guys, and two guys that are all Pro level guys in terms of you know you can argue it at least with all four of them. That's mm-hmm. hard to do. And so anyone, if you come in and you're like the average dude, you know, an average player, and when you call someone an average NFL player, that's a compliment. Not a lot of teams struggle to to field, you know, having three-fourths of their starting positions be even average. And Wiley's an average player. And that's it's hard to unseat a guy who's consistently average, um, but he's always going to show up a little bit. I do think Niang, the thing that people get caught up on with him – because he's got really great size and he's got he's got good feet for a guy his size. And so people see that and then they kind of extrapolate that potential there. It's like, oh, well, a guy with great feet and great size. You know who else has great feet and great size? Trent Williams. So, 
But the problem is his bounce doesn't seem to be the same. And he really, I mean, I think that was a really good point that he hasn't, he, even when he was healthy, he was okay. But it's tough to hang on through all these injury things for a potentially okay reward here. Eventually, you, you got to stop looking at the potential and look at what it has been. Yeah. Um, I want to ask about the offensive line depth, like besides the starters. The starters were good, but I got concerns about the second string and the third string. They haven't looked all that great to me. Um, Jerron Christian, he kind of stood out to me because I, I remember on one rep in the third quarter, like he didn't get a hand on the defense end. Defense end just went around him. Yeah. Easily. So, like, uh, do you feel the same way currently set up about the offensive line, you know, just in case somebody get hurt? Um, I'm I'm more comfortable with the interior if someone got hurt. Um, I think Allegretti and Austin Ryder is more competent than you're going to get as backups on most teams. Because Ryder, in theory, he'd probably start on a few teams <laughs> in the NFL. Not a ton, but I think he would. Um and Allegretti, I think same thing. I think there are a few teams that he could start on. And again, these these are probably not guys that you want starting. But if they could start somewhere, that that at least means something. I would say, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking now at tackle, really you've got guys who have shown they can't handle consistent time on the field. I think Johnson's probably their best shot. He's got the most experience at least. But – they really don't have a lot of guys at tackle where you're you're comfortable. Um, Kennard's disappointed to an extent so far. I know he's been bumped down once to where it's more third-team snaps he's taking. Um, and it's going to be a process. He's a rookie. So I do think the Chiefs are in the same position as a lot of teams in the league that if they lose a tackle, there's going to be some problems there. And they're in kind of a worse position than they than they would like to be when Wiley was the backup tackle. Because in because you know anytime you've bumped a guy up a notch, well now your depth gets worse, and that's what's happened there. So I definitely agree, and that's a league wide problem. Most teams in the league don't even have five average offensive linemen. There are just not that many good offensive linemen out there anymore. Right, because I was looking at a team like the Philadelphia Eagles. They they got one of the best offensive line depths in the league. Because I yep. seen I seen their rookie uh, Cam Jerkins, they center, and he can definitely start when uh jason kelsey retires right and they grabbed him specifically for that you know it's kind of i'd heard that they actually um i read somewhere i can't remember where that like he was kind of involved in the process a little bit and trying to figure out someone who could replace him which is which is not surprising jason kelsey that that seems to be the kind of guy he is i'd kind of hoped and i'm thrilled that you know they ended up drafting creed and that all went the direction they is my large adult son i think he's a great player but had they signed Jason Kelsey last year, I'd have been that that would have been a okay with me. The guy's a stud. Um, but the, the Eagles are a good example of a team that has done a better job than almost any in the league acquiring depth. The Chiefs' depth is good relatively to the rest of the NFL on the interior tackle. I hope Orlando Ooh. Brown stays healthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I definitely would. We definitely should be watching uh swing tackles around the league this week. Um, a guy that can fill in because that's the that's the weakness right now is that second tackle. If if one of our tackles go down, it's, it's, you're gonna be on pins and needles, and, and especially with Blake Bell out too. Because uh, uh, who went out last year and did Blake Bell help against Max Crosby like all game? That was um, was that Wiley? Yeah, was that when Niang went out? Yeah. Yep. 
Oh, okay, yeah. You can't do that every game. And then Blake Bell's hurt too, so. Right. <laughs> right. Well, he's he's their most competent in-line blocker by a fair amount. Like, Kelsey's a good blocker, um, but he more is good in the, what the Chiefs ask him to do. He's more, you know, on the move at the second level, uh, coming across the line from the H-back spot, the things they ask Kelsey to do. he He's not a, an in-line blocker that you want to help match up against a defensive end unless you're doing some kind of, you know, bootleg action, that kind of stuff. And plus it's a waste of Travis Kelsey to have him pass blocking. Right. Um, whereas Bell is, is more comfortable in that role. Um, and, and they, they just know a gray that maybe they're going to try to get him to be more like that, but Fortson's not really that guy. And then I love Jody Fortson. I hate saying he can't do anything, but uh, he, he's not really that guy either to help out with that. Yeah. Let's talk about Jody real quick. Uh, Jody, he, he put on a heck of a show this past weekend scoring two touchdowns and it was of course it was against the team that he got hurt against so it was definitely great to see that now here's my question to you Seth regards to Jody Fortson I kind of compare him to what I'm seeing from Isaiah likely in Boston right now you know backup tight ends that do have the ability great receiving ability do have the ability to get open and make plays uh, but Jody Fortson like do you see him being like one of the best red zone threats in the league this year and like how good can he be you know, he, he has to stay healthy because that's been a problem. Yeah. And he just needs opportunity uh, to, to really see because it's when that it's what the player does with consistency that that makes them the player they are. Everyone who makes the league and is good enough to get snaps in the league is good enough to make some highlight level plays. Um, And, and so Fortson's not going to be an exception to that. The question is, can you continue to do that? When you're called upon more often, you know, as the targets go up, as the snaps go up, does the efficiency stay there? I, I've been banging the Jody Fortson drum for like three years. That's what I, I make fun of people. I'm like, hey, hey, I was writing about this guy in preseason 2019. Okay. <laughs> I've been here from the very get go. And he just consistently shows really, I mean, for one, he's huge. Um, if you look at him as kind of a big receiver. Or you know, or a small tight end. Um, he's he's put on the weight to where he can play tight end. Not going to do a ton of inline stuff, but the Chiefs don't ask him to do that anyway. He showed he could do some of the blocking stuff last year, so I I, I like him a lot. His ball skills are excellent because there's lots of six foot six guys out there, but some like even just you know to just say hey you're being defended by Kendall Fuller who's an excellent corner. I want you to grab a back shoulder throw. Just go up and get it. And then, you know, when Mahomes is rolling left, hey, I'm going to throw it to you. Go up and get it, even though it's being contested. Catch it through contact. It's not just about being big. Those ball skills, the body control, he has that. And so, to me, I really do think that if they gave him significant opportunities in the red zone, I, I with how often the Chiefs are in the red zone and all the opportunities they have there and the way Patrick Mahomes can do placement – I really think you could see a situation where he has like five or six touchdowns through five weeks. And then teams are going to start, you know, doing things a little different. And I think it starts to go away because I don't know if he's a guy who really creates his own separation necessarily. But that I really think he could do something that would force teams to play them a little differently in the red zone because ball skills and size, those are just gifts. And he certainly has them. 16 earlier, they was talking about him. Of course, C. Dot was saying he didn't want to bust the bubble. He was being a, a Debbie Downer. But what do y'all think about this over and under? Twenty catches, 
200 yards, four touchdowns. Y'all taking the over or under on Forson? Over. It's on everything? On everything. Yeah, everything. 20 catches, 200 yards, four touchdowns. Yes. That's what everything. you got. Absolutely. <clears throat> I uh, If he stays healthy all season, yeah. I think he hits the over – um, the 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 catches number I'm curious about. Some of it depends what they decide to do with Blake Bell snaps and how that affects what they decide to do. If they are going to run more uh, two tight end formations and they say we want Jody to be the guy to do it, then I think I, every chance he's gotten, he's earned more targets. And there's got to be a time when that ends. But where is that time? You know, d- does he continue to to produce almost every time he's thrown to? When he gets targeted three times a game, well, then does it become five times a game? Because you could see it. it, Mahomes is going to keep feeding him as it goes. So we'll see. I do think Bell being injured probably opens up more snaps available for him um, as well as Gray. But I would say tentatively the 20 catches is going to be tough and the 200 yards because I think it's going to be mostly a red zone thing. But We've seen him just last year. You know, he did hit a big play down the field. Mahomes trusts him. So he could he could hit that over just with three or four catches that end up being for, you know, 30, 40 yards. You kind of get there. So I think I'd take the over if he stays healthy all year. And Mahomes yeah. said that he make him look good. So, I mean, here's a question, Sam. Um, uh, we, we excluding Kelsey, of course. Who does it look like is uh, – Pat's favorite receiver so far? I think um, I, I think Juju, if he's healthy. The knee thing worries me because my understanding is that's something he, he struggled with at times in Pittsburgh as well. And that's mm-hmm. part of where the muted production has come from a little bit is he's just had this issue with, with knee inflammation. If he's healthy, um, I, I think he's, he's the guy that developed chemistry with him quickly. Um, I, so I think he's going to, I think he'd be the guy besides Kelsey. I think Sky Moore has a chance to get there, but it's hard to do that as a rookie. Um, it's just, it's borderline impossible in Reed's defense. And so I I'm very prepared for Sky Moore to have a pretty quiet first half of the season. And I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. It, like, am, am I going out on too far of a limb saying Justin Watson right now? I would say Yes. But uh, who knows? He, he he's another guy who's only he's only produced uh, when he's been called upon. He's a guy when I watch him, I watched a few of his plays. He does not. He's got speed to get open deep, which is important. Um, he might be able to help MVS stretch the field a little bit, depending on Hardman's health. But he is not a guy that creates separation in in and out of his breaks. So if he is going to be a guy Mahomes relies on, I think it'll be more downfield, showing some toughness. And then keep working, you know, the second play, third play, like that third down conversion against the commanders. If he's willing to do that, then Mahomes will trust him. I mean, Mahomes, even though he didn't get a ton of opportunities and there were reasons for that, Mahomes trusted Byron Pringle in, in bigger moments. Um, and it's just about that, that <clears throat> working as the, as the second and third play develop uh, when the first play doesn't work out. Yeah. Uh, public service announcement. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Commanders is a terrible football name. These are the thoughts of the country alone. This is not a reflection of Boogie, Steph, or Charles. That is a terrible football name for a team. Okay, I'm done. Go ahead. 
Yeah, that name kind of remind me of uh, the movie Small Soldiers. When I first heard that name, I was like, what the It sounds like saying? a junior league. It sounds, it doesn't sound like it. Um, go ahead, Charles. <laughs> you good, bro. But, but yeah. Um, but, that it is it is a terrible name. It sounds like a made up name if you created a <laughs> franchise in Madden. Yes. It's just I honestly I, I mean they they needed to change that name for reasons that of I course. think are pretty yeah. obvious. But mm-hmm. just go with Washington football team. That was oddly fun. Have fun with the W on there. Just go for it. That's it fun. was working. I don't yeah, know. People kind of got used to it. I'd rather talk about the Washington football team than the Washington Commanders. That gen- it sounds like one of the team names you'd have had from like any given Sunday or something like that, right? It's, like, it's it made sounds up. like a USFL team. It's it's, yeah. it's it's terrible. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chuck. Yeah, believe it or not, they the got, they, they got their name from the uh, one of USFL USFL teams. If I'm not mistaken. That was like the inspiration behind the mascot name. So yeah, Ugh. they can't get shit right out there, man. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, so yeah, like moving forward though, like I do want to go to the defense real quick. Um, I, 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 Seth, I heard you doing something. You know, I don't know if you're writing an article or something towards Nick Bolden. I know you're doing like a feature about him soon. Like I, I actually wrote about him following the uh, the the Washington game. Um, All right, cool. And so I, I just kind of broke down. I, I think the name of it was, you know, Nick Bolton just keeps getting better. And I, when, when they drafted him, I, and this is part of what I talked about, when they drafted him, I said, I don't 100% hate the pick, but I think he's got a limited ceiling as a player. I figured he was a two-down guy. I thought it was, it was an Anthony Hitchens 2.0 situation just with his athletic limitations that, that show up you know, in shorts and all that. But even on tape at Mizzou, I watched what they had him doing in coverage. And I thought, I don't know. I don't know. Cause my assumption, my incredibly stupid assumption clearly was that when a guy shows this level of athleticism in college where he's just barely getting by, right. But like, he's a good player, great player, even in college, but you can see that that athleticism is just barely getting by. The assumption is like, think like Clyde Edwards, Alaire, right? No, his explosion, Long speed, lack of long speed. That was there in college. It was clear. But his other stuff, right, his quickness, his his, his route running, his ability to kind of set up blockers, that allowed him to, to produce at a high level. What you expect in the NFL, everyone is suddenly this level of athlete. And if you stay right here, that's the assumption is those limitations are going to suddenly just pop out at you. Like with Kennard, his lack of foot speed. I think that's popping out a little bit more at the pro level, those physical limitations. Whereas apparently no one told Nick Bolton about this and he's just like, Oh, so I just need to just come right up here with that. And still, and I've never seen anything like it. He looks faster as a pro than he did in college. And that is legitimately weird. So I don't know what you wanted to ask me about Nick Bolton, but I was wrong about him so far. And he already hit a ceiling last year as a rookie that I didn't expect him to have as a player. So it's been awesome being wrong about him. Yeah, because like he only he didn't play a full amount of snaps last year, and he still had over a hundred tackles. He he was still very productive. Because I've seen a bunch of people were saying about they was concerned about his athleticism and everything. But when when I watched this film, I'm like the dude got the instincts to play at the next level pretty well. So I mean, you know, the, the production goes up from here. So. 
So was he used wrong in college, or was he holding back in college? What, what's the? I don't, is I there any explanation? I just think there's. I mean, he he obviously um, has some physical gifts in terms of. I mean, you know, well, he's an NFL player, so obviously he he's he's oddly strong. He 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 does go downhill at the ball pretty well. Um, but his, his slightly limited change of direction and sideline to sideline speed isn't something you would expect to look better at the next level. And I wonder, I know he's saying that he, and he got picked on in coverage early in the year. Um, and then he just, he he's saying he's playing a little bit lighter this year. He looks a little bit lighter. I can't tell if that's the number or... You know, maybe if he wore number one, he'd look even skinnier to me. I don't know. Uh, you know, wear number zero, he'd look invisible. But, like, I, I don't I, – he looks like he is playing a little bit quicker. But one gift and, – and Ryan and I talk a lot about this. One gift that we tend to not think about in terms of pure talent is, is reflexes and mental processing. And that's one area where, like, if you think about, like, Alex Smith, really smart quarterback. Did almost all of his work pre-snap, though, because post-snap, when things broke down, it's kind of like Kirk Cousins now. When things broke down, it was just a little too fast for him, and you'd see mistakes. Um, and he was so good pre-snap and was such a good athlete, all these things, that he was still able to be a good player. What Mahomes does that's special is he he just sees things slower. I, I, you know, I don't wish I knew how to describe, but he just seems to see things a little bit slower, like a great point guard or something like that, to where they see what's coming every step of the way and the game's just slower to them. Bolton seems to have that and it makes up for any physical, you know, he's not the athlete Willie Gay Jr. is, um, which is fine because Willie Gay Jr. is one of the best, most athletic linebackers in the league. Like the guy's a freak, but Bolton processes it all so quickly and that's one of the things I wrote about one of the first plays I broke down, the first play from scrimmage against the, the commanders. Man, that is an awful name. Good Lord. Um, <laughs> you see that when the running back has taken the handoff and before he's on his second step, Bolton has, has not only filled the, the gap, but he's filled and been able to stop to break down. So he's not he's gotten there so quickly despite his lack of, of elite burst that he's already breaking down. So he's not coming in hot. So when the running back uh, cuts to towards another hole, he's able to just follow him rather than getting left behind, you know, or, or getting caught turning, you know, coming in hot in a way that makes you miss a tackle. And he just sees it that quickly to where it just doesn't seem to matter as much. When he broke, we broke up that third down pass. He was starting to break on the ball. He saw the route. He recognized the rub that was going to slow down. I think it was Fenton. Um, and he just sees it. That's the best explanation I have is he just sees the game. Well, uh, I, I see Kyle Henning says his brain makes up for some of his physical deficiencies. That was a much more succinct way of putting that. Thank you. <laughs> I just like how you compare Patrick Mahomes to Neo and the Matrix. So. <laughs> yes, that really is it. It just slows down. I was actually thinking about uh, in the equalizer right before Denzel starts to kill a bunch yeah, of people. Yeah. He always like just, and he starts looking around. That's Patrick Mahomes, you know, without the violence. It's football. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, speaking of Willie Gay, um, breakout season incoming. I would think so. He, it's been frustrating because as a rookie, and as last year, every year Willie Gay, when he's been on the field, he's looked good to me. 
Um, he oh. has, he, he, he makes plays and not just against the pass. He's really physical at the line. Um, to me, he was a noticeably better run defender before Bolton came to town than their other linebackers who were getting a lot more play as run defenders. And that's with all due respect to Anthony Hitchens. The players that played with him keep saying he brought more than people realize. Fair yeah. enough. And, and, and look, I, who am I? Who am I to argue with Patrick Mahomes when he says things like that? I'm nobody. Sure. So fine, fair enough. On film, though, Gay looked better, and so his lack of his lack of time makes me curious. What deficiency do the th- Chiefs think exist that they had to kind of protect him from? And are we going to see that with him on the field much more often? Because it's interesting to me that he's not going to be the dime backer from everything we're seeing. Um, because in coverage, he's got more range than Bolton and he seems to play pretty naturally against the pass. He's a guy you actually could have cover uh, a running back man to man. Almost doesn't, it almost doesn't matter which running back, a lot of tight ends. He could cover man to man. Bolton should not be doing that. That's not his skill set. So to me, that tells me the coaching staff thinks that he maybe doesn't have that same processing speed as Bolton or something else that will maybe get exposed with more time on the field. I I haven't seen anything. So I would assume with more playing time, it will be a semi breakout year for him, but I do think he's still going to take a backseat to Bolton. So don't you think it's because Bolton, like when me and Chuck was uh, so high on Bolton coming out of college, he just had a knack for being around the ball. Do you think that might be a reason why? I could see it. Yeah. I mean, they, they, uh, and that knack for being around the ball, you know, that's part of that, that processing. He sees where the play is going and it allows him to get there. And maybe for them, he'll be there a higher percentage of the time, even if he doesn't get there quite as fast. Right. Maybe they don't think that sideline to sideline is quite a big deal. That range stuff isn't quite as big a deal. If you've got a guy that you can rely on to consistently be, as you, as you put it around the ball. So that could be it. Um, he's looked improved in coverage so far this preseason. So they might just say, look, he's our guy. We want him out there calling out the defense. Yeah, you might be a little better in coverage, but everything else that he brings to the table is what we want. And the coaches seem awfully hard on Gay too. Like they they really seem like they, I remember thinking in the pits, in the playoff game against the Steelers, we happened to be sitting pretty close to the line of scrimmage and or the line of scrimmage to the sideline. Yeah, we were right there on the line. Those tickets were incredible. Before my dad got run over by, by Chris Jones. Um, the, I One thing I noticed, I saw Willie Gay get hollered at like five times. Like genuinely hollered at by defensive coaches. And a couple times I was like, man, he just made a play. What are you yelling at him for? Like, And so maybe he freelances more because I know that's a big thing with Spags. And so I, I think that'll be interesting to watch to see if they really go with those two as full-time guys. Side note, um, I watched the mic'd up this morning with Willie Gay when he was in practice and everything. And he, he killed me when he said this part, like, because he was randomly screaming at random times, just being goofy, whatever. He was like, the crazy part is uh, people do this on mic'd up, but I'm like this in real life. So, <laughs> so definitely like that. I thought so, that was a good line. <laughs> so, Seth, let's get to the man of the hour. Um, He's been called a Greek freak and GK13 and this new nickname. I think Briscoe came up with it. So shout out to Briscoe. 
Furious George. I've also heard Grease Lightning. Grease, Grease Lightning, Lightning is good too. Yeah, he's from Grease Greece. Lightning is good. Grease Lightning. Yeah, because from Grease and then he's fast and quick. That's yeah. a good one, man. I like Grease Lightning. I ain't gonna lie. Grease um, Lightning is fun. All right, Seth, let's get to the nitty gritty. Can he break Derek Thomas' single season sack record? Was that? It's 10, right? Yes. <laughs> um, With a little bit of luck, and obviously we were at a small sample, so this is me hedging, right? Doing a bunch of hedging. He that's has, a good, that's he a, good too. He has a few advantages over DT um, in his rookie year. One, defense, offenses are way more pass-happy now, so you're going to have more opportunities in theory. Um. Although they're getting the ball out quicker too, like you don't get a bunch of seven-step drops under center, like you know that things are just different. Um, RPOs weren't the thing, all that. Um, he also, when Derek Thomas came in, it's not like there was a guy like Chris Jones helping chase guys to you, because that's one thing we haven't seen a ton of is Chris Jones and Carloftis on the field at the same time. And I really would like to see more of that. Um, I'd love to see it. And we probably will, right, since Dunlap got that little nagging injury, right? Mm -hmm. I think so. They're saying – I know Reed said that it's getting better, but that – anytime I hear Achilles, I get like, whoa, you know, um, because it wrecked one of the best safeties I've ever seen play the game. Um, and so I, that, that makes me nervous when I hear Achilles. I would say this. Karloftis, based on what he's shown these first two preseason weeks, I think he could – because I think he's in a good situation to do it um, in terms of, you know, the interior pressure that Jones gets Karloftis' style of winning. The thing with me that's got me thinking, and I wrote this after the first preseason game, we expected him to show some power. We expected him to show some decent explosion off the line, good quickness. He, he had those things in college, but he, he won around the edge a couple of times showing a little bit of bend in a way he did not last year in college like at all. I I reviewed, I think, four or five of his games from 2021 when they drafted him. And I couldn't, I couldn't think of a single time he won with a, with a rip, you know, or a chop and bent around the edge, not once. And he's done mm. it a couple of times in preseason. So I don't know if, you know, working with Bobby has, you know, <laughs> maybe he can make people's ankles and hips more flexible. I don't know. He was more flexible in 2020. So I think he's playing at a lighter weight again. I think that's helping. But that stuff, the ability to have even a little bend with the rest of the skill set he's shown, he could collect 10 sacks um, by just being an above average pass rusher. And he's shown, at least so far, that that might be something he can do. They How much is Frank Clark practice? Yeah, I was about to say that. After the practice, man. Maybe that really yeah. helped. No, that's a big deal. I mean, being coachable and, and you know, a lot of people were were kind of saying stuff about Clark, whose last few years obviously haven't been probably what he wants. But as a power-based rusher, Frank Clark is a guy to learn from. Um, now, Clark has more length, so they might win with different ways. But Karloftis would do really well to try to learn uh, how to utilize Clark's long arm, which was a devastating move before he just stopped using it the last few years. Um, and that's what part of me, just on a side note, makes me think that with Clark, it's been a health thing because P players go downhill all the time. It happens. Completely changing your style of play is weird. 
And yeah. so I, I, it is good to see Carl Loftus learning from him though. And, and motor matters, all that stuff when you have talent. So I'm excited to see it. I I'm excited to see what he looks like come week one. As a, as a film guy has, we, we've been saying that Frank looks faster, definitely faster than last year, but he looks like the same quickness as when he came to Kansas City that first year. He looks that fast again. You think that that was the health and the, the liquor and all that stuff? I mean, he's clearly playing light. One of the one of the running gags we have on Times Ours right now is every recording. I'm saying, well, and I mean, you got Frank Clark there, and I think now I'm saying he's playing at like 190 pounds. Like I've just made him lighter every week. We talk. He's still listed at like 273 or something with the Chiefs. He's listed no as like as like 15, 20 pounds heavier than Mike Dana. And you see them stand next to each other. You're like, ah, I don't think that's accurate. Um, <laughs> so oh, you know, no way. Yeah, no, it's not. There's no way. He looks quicker for sure. He looks faster for sure. That should help. The one thing that I'm curious about is I haven't, when I've gone back and looked, I'm not seeing him win anymore on pass rushing downs. That's very limited sample size. He was never a bend around the edge guy. That was never his thing. He had a power-based game, primarily a long arm with some bull rushes, and he had a myriad of counters to that where he used his strength and his length. And he had, he, had, he had a very explosive first step, but that explosive first step was made way more effective and he didn't have to have hardly any bend because they were so terrified of the power-based moves. That doesn't scream a guy who can transition to speed rusher late in his career. I hope he can, but that's why I mean, he does look more athletic um, by a pretty long shot. We'll see if that results in better results as a pass rusher. That's what I'm going to be looking for. Yeah, and before we go to the – before we touch on the Packers, um, I want to touch on Isaiah Pacheco real quick. Um, I know the, the hype took a little bit of a hit, uh, but I think people was just overreacting to – there's this one play that uh, the, the guy from – the guy that does the How About Those Chiefs channel. On cool, he, yes. Yeah, yeah. He's reviewing that play, and I'm like, okay, you guys may be overreacting just a little bit. Okay, he may have missed a little hole possibly or – it may have just been like a, a little mirage and Washington defender really could have closed that up. Um, Airbnb the other day did a press conference and was telling people that he told the rookie that he needs to be patient and allow the game to come to him. Like let the offensive line work for you. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're in sync with the offensive line. Um, I think, and I agree with that because he's a guy coming from a school that had a terrible offensive line. He was running behind a terrible offensive line at Rutgers, and he still produced yes. over 1,000 yards of total offense. So is that just part of the learning curve with Pacheco right now, getting used to a good offensive line? That's the hope. Um, the fear is that vision with running backs, the fear is it's one of those things you either have or you don't. You know, um, Niall Davis, yep. athletic freak. Huge, and I mean, there were a couple times he he hit a couple of those angle routes or something, and that guy could run. Yep. But he just never learned to see where it was, and I think some of that is again, it's a gift to have processing speed. You know, we all have different levels of processing speed in real time, and that we'll see because he again he is coming from a team with and you know really bad offensive line every year that he was there. It might be something they can teach. He does have, and I would also note that he doesn't have incredible um, foot speed, like agility. 
Um, he's got good explosion, but he it, there's a little bit difference between change of direction. It's kind of like if you if you combined him and Clyde, you'd have it all there because Clyde can basically like dematerialize right there and reappear right here, but he doesn't have explosion moving north and south. So I uh I, <laughs> that's really funny. Um, I uh I, I I do think there's a chance, but you just don't know. And so that's where I, I do think if they're going to be running the ball more up the middle between the tackles, you're probably going to see a lot more of Clyde unless Pacheco can really seize that. And that was another thing I wrote about. I looked at every first team run play. There really haven't been a lot of positive ones. Um, there was only really, you had a couple of short yardage conversions. That's Burton. And then the interior line doing some work. Um, and then you had one like six or seven yard run by Clyde. That's pretty much it. Like even another four yard game they had, the line displaced the defensive line by three yards. You should gain more than four yards when you get that kind of movement up front. Jeff Schwartz tweeted about that. So Clyde hasn't been doing what well, we'll see. Cause there's a small sample size there. You're talking 11, 12 plays. And so, you know, because there was a play where Trey Smith missed a, uh, a block at the second level that maybe had he hit that because Pacheco actually did hit the cutback lane. Had he hit that, Pacheco might have taken that for 60 yards and we'd be having a very different conversation right now. And that's when you're dealing with such a small sample size. Luck plays such a, a large role in all of this that, you know, it's kind of like a we'll see. But he does obviously have some things to work on. So that means we need to get back on the CEH train for this year? I mean, the Chiefs have really given him the vast majority of first-team snaps. I think they're going to give him every chance. I do think if he doesn't really show out with it, you maybe see what McKinnon can do. Um, but he's he he's a guy who has struggled with lingering little injuries here and there. So he's probably a guy you want as more of like a 100-touch guy, uh, 150 touches maybe. Um, and then you want him healthy for the playoff run. So th I think they're going to be careful with him. While we're on the subject of running backs, uh, Paul just came, just posted the question. Um, does Rojo make the 53 when it's all said and done? I don't think so. Um, I, he just hasn't – although, to be fair, the you guys talked about this. The second and third team offensive lines have not looked good. Right. Um, but he he hasn't done anything to distinguish himself unless you think about what he's shown on film the last couple of years. And so he, in my opinion, he had a huge advantage coming in. Um, but <laughs> that would be amazing if that happened. Um, he had a huge advantage coming in, but he just hasn't done anything to distinguish himself. And the fact that Pacheco is getting those first string snaps ahead of him, that unless Reed is playing possum in a way that I've never seen him do, that, that says something about his chances. Seth, what do you say about Gore going on IR? Does that increase the chances for Rojo, though, maybe? I I didn't see that Gore went on IR. Yeah, thumb injury. He's out on IR for And then remember Blake Bell also. So Right. I don't know if they keep four running backs. That would be really unusual. Um, you know, and that's where, like, I don't see Jones as, like, a practice squad type guy. And so I, I, that's hard for me to believe they keep four running backs, especially Jones doesn't do special teams. He can't opinion. make the practice squad either, can? I don't think so. I can't remember what the long. rules are there. They, and so I just don't see it. Um, it, I, I think at the end of the day, I think it's, I think it's Clyde, 
Pacheco and McKinnon. Um, and that's a group I'm, I'm okay with it. It would be nice to see more though, because they, the, the, the passing offense has looked fantastic. You all they need in the run game is to just take what's there. The offensive line does good work last year. They didn't do a great job taking what was there. So we'll see if it improves. Yeah. But you want to, you want to know what I want to see from um, Clyde this year. I actually want to see Andy Reid use the screen game more often this year because it's been a little bit now. Because mm-hmm. um, somebody posted, you know, Kareem Hunt highlights, and I saw how he was being used in the screen game, and he was taking it for big yards, and I thought that's what we drafted Clyde for. Right. Uh, so. Well, not even the screen game. You know, with with Clyde, one of the things with him, and that's part of it, but he also was asked to run downfield routes at LSU. And he was good at it and he's done it in a limited sample size at the pro level. And he's looked good at it there too, but something's stopping them from really utilizing that a ton. And I mean, that's, that just seems to be how it is. I I don't, it would be weird if in year three, they finally started utilizing him differently, but maybe I, I, that's been a really, that's been a huge point of frustration for me with their usage of Clyde. One of his primary strengths that ability to run really, really excellent routes and play the ball well in the air, being a really good receiver, that to me was the only reason to take him over Jonathan Taylor because yeah. Taylor looked to be the superior runner of the two. Absolutely. And so it's weird to me to grab the guy who isn't as good a runner but is probably a better pass catcher, at least in college film, and then not really utilize him that much there. Because if you're going to do that, just grab Taylor. All right. Absolutely. What do you say about? I know y'all was talking about Bianami's comments earlier. Did you see his comments on Clyde and his conditioning? Do we think that's playing a fact fact in it? Oh yeah, he commented that he wants him to be like used to like able to do like seven plays in a row or something like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know whether to read into that or not, or for him saying, "Yeah, this dude's going to be getting a lot of snaps." Yeah, I, I, I could hear it either way there. Yeah, BMI just make sure he's ready to go, man. That's all that is, man. Like some people was reading into this, his comments a little uh, too deeply. Like it just didn't make no sense to me. I'm like, Eric BMI's not talking bad on the dude. He's trying to make sure he's ready. To go. So, but yeah, I think that to, one got took out of context. Way out of context. But let's get to the <laughs> Packers, man. Uh, Packers. The big news with the Packers is Aaron Rodgers just came out. You know, they asked him about how the receivers have been performing. Uh, Packers young receivers, they've been kind of – they've been underperforming a little bit. You know, they had some uh, major drops and everything. Like, um, like, can Aaron Rodgers really survive this season with these, with these group of wide receivers? Maybe. He's still I, Aaron Rodgers, bro. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's different because... without Devontae, though. It's a lot different. Right. He got a choice now. Yeah, it, I, I, I'm curious. Both Rodgers and Mahomes are kind of running experiments this year because both of them let go of elite wide receivers. Like, well, they didn't let go of them, but both of them lost them. And we're kind of going to get an interesting experiment to what the value is of an elite wide receiver when you have an elite quarterback. What if both of their offenses are just as good? Or, or very, very nearly as good. You know, let's say they're 99% as good or whatever, right? Does that mean if you've got an elite quarterback that it's not, the juice isn't really worth the squeeze to pay some dude 30 mil a year? Maybe. 
Um, although, you know, really when you're a Super Bowl contender, you're also you're not paying guys for what they do all year. You're paying them for what they do on, you know, third and 20 with the Super Bowl on the line, you know? So, I mean, because that individual playmaking ability matters there. So the Packers, though, they're taking that experiment way farther than the Chiefs because the Chiefs went out, they grabbed a couple of veterans who were at least known to be competent receivers, you know, average to a little above average guys who fit a niche. Um, and then they drafted a guy in the second round. Like they, and plus they have Travis Kelsey. Whereas the Packers are like, nah, I think Aaron's got it. I mean, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I don't know, man, because I'm, I'm not. The Packers are the worst. They they never like really surrounded Aaron with talent. Like what? Oh, that's since cap. the Super Bowl. Whoa, that's whoa, cap. whoa. That's, that's a lie. That's cap. Whoa. That's definitely cap. Whoa. Whoa. His best wide receiver was Randall Cobb for like five whoa. years. Five Bro, years. he's had Jordy Nelson, him, Devontae, Donald Driver, Greg Jennings. Like James what are we Jones. doing? All here? at the same time. Robert's Tunyon. I'm talking about the and, career. And he also oh, had oh, Alan Lazard, too. And Geronimo yeah, like, Nelson. Yeah, Lazar about to get thousand yards receiving this year. Like, uh, about two and three receivers. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of them. Uh, anyway, so um, I don't care about Aaron. One, Rose. I'm sorry. <laughs> one thing I gotta say here: in 2011, the the Aaron Rodgers was throwing to, and this was kind of at some of their peaks: Jordy Nelson, James Jones, Greg Jennings. Donald Driver, not at Driver's Peak, and Randall Cobb. And that's when and Cobb Finley. was 21. Yeah, now, yeah, like, come on, man. Now, now to be fair, about. that's just one year, though. And and like, one year. One year. one year. He won a Super Bowl that year, didn't he? No, that was the year that he put forth unbelievable film, but I don't think they won it that year. I'm oh, now I'm doubting myself, though. I'm not talking about somebody who just lost arguably the best receiver in the NFL the last five years. This dude been yeah, but who else was on the team though? You talking about recently? Yeah, they had Devontae Adams, but who else? Like MVS, Lazard, who are these yeah. other guys? Who are they? A bunch of a bunch of Joes. But he's got a defense too. He's had defensive help throughout his career too, and he I got a list on that. A top running back, also, it's not like oh my gosh, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. Like, come on, man! Like, this dude that they all just got him. What was that? Nothing, nothing. I, I don't care. Please, <laughs> please, 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 please. I don't care because they're gonna they're gonna do the same thing they do every year. They're gonna get you hype and then they're gonna let you down. Uh, yeah. Who are you? Um, who needs to have? A good game Thursday. I, I got one name. Well, I got a couple names, but the first name I want to see the battle between Saunders and Stallworth. I think that's been an interesting battle. I think uh, this last game is going to sort that out. I want to see that that last cornerback. I want to see if uh, Chris Lamont can put together another solid performance. And do we have a punt returner yet? It'll be fine. Maybe. <laughs> um, I personally don't like them throwing Trent McDuffie into that role. Um, I and by the way, he has been he has been awesome. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think like 
that, that, that last preseason game, I, I think, uh, I think Rojo needs to do something to stay on the roster. Um, he needs to do something. Period. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I, I, I think you saw some roster spots get a lot more solidified. I think, you know, if Josh Gordon doesn't want to be off the roster, um, he needs a great game. And I think even then, I, I think it might be too little too late. I think Fountain and, 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 and Watson coming and doing well, I, that's really been problematic because the Chiefs' first four receivers are kind of set, right? And then, you know, Watson coming along and being more than camp fodder has been a big deal. Um, so I'm trying to think of like someone that I'm really like, I'm, I'm stoked to see, to really actually have a game where I'm genuinely focusing on Leo Chanel just to see how he's been playing. He hasn't done a lot to stand out to me. He's had some good run fits, but we'll see. So he's a guy that I might just look at all his preseason snaps after Thursday's game. Yeah, he has been good at the run fits. I mean, that's been the main thing with him because I was wondering, like, is he going to get promoted to where he'll move up with, like, playing the second team more often? You know, because, I mean, we ain't really seen him out there until, like, right before the end of the third quarter heading into the fourth quarter so far this preseason. Right. Oh, uh, Kyle in the comments here, he made a good point. Uh, Kendo, um, he uh, – Yeah, he was oh, Maybe I misread that. I, I was – I, I agree more with Hefe KC, which is a great name, by the way. Um, Kendo, every time I've watched him, I have not been impressed. So we'll see. He he's a guy that you know they invested a little in him last year. So so I, I'm curious what he looks like. He would be a guy with Karloftis in the fold, and now Mike Dana clearly having a solidified role. Dunlap there now. Like if he wants to get into the rotation, he he's going to have to show something. So that he's a guy to keep an eye on. So is that so like him and Malik Herring, is that like a battle for that last defense and end spot? Possibly. I, I think he probably beats Herring out for it, but that would at least be interesting. Go ahead, Boog. You had some. Seth, I heard you uh talk about McDuffie, and I haven't seen enough out of him yet. He going against Dobbs this weekend. What do you what do you want him to do yeah, other than blanket receivers every single snap? Oh, my boy, what are you watching? What, I, what, I like what more could he possibly do? What, you want him to chloroform the receiver, drag him out of the stadium, <laughs> put him in the trunk of a car, and go drive him to the border and chuck him over? Okay, I'm just exaggerating. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> That's defense. Delphi versus Dobbs this weekend. Well, this week. Hopefully Aaron Rodgers tries him. Thank you, Kyle. I'm with Cal. He haven't really they, – they really haven't attacked him. Is that – preseason i know he he's looked good so far but that's i will tell you i only i only charted every snap of his on all 22 with the first game i didn't do it with the second game um but in the first game the reason they didn't target him is because he the wide receivers were wearing him like a jacket it's just like oh i would be open but i've got my trent mcduffie jacket draped over me that dude (laughs) now and he was only in man coverage a couple of snaps there it was a small sample size um he really looked good. Now, now watch. Now he just gets destroyed on Thursday because I'm sitting here. Rah, rah, rah. But as a rookie, I expect him to have a few games that go terribly poorly because he's a rookie and playing corner in the NFL is hard enough. But as a rookie, it's really hard. But I do think there's a reason why a couple of the more draft Nicky type guys like like Dane Brugler with the Athletic, who's the draft guy. You can ask anyone who covers the draft at all. They'll say who's the best. They'll say Dane. Even if they, you know, it doesn't matter who it is. The, the, the KCSN guys who do a great job, they'll tell you Dane. 
You could ask me. I try a little. I'll say Dane. He had Trent McDuffie at his, as his number two corner. And the only reason that dude dropped is because he's got short arms and he's not 6'1". Right. Dare, you know who else was 5'11"? Revis. Like, I mean, this isn't – no, not that he'll be Revis because there was right. one Revis and right. that dude was a freak. But okay. this idea of height, unless you're 5'7", height isn't going to matter that much. You know, if you're tall enough to ride the roller coaster, you're tall enough to, to be competent. You must be this tall to ride. McDuffie's arms are short. I, I don't care. He's not a left tackle. You know what I mean? And so – his film in college was real good, um, especially his his understanding of route combinations and zone concepts was exceptional. Washington asked a lot of him, and he was always in the right spot. And so far, that's been true through a couple of weeks. And I think that's why you're just not seeing him challenged because he's just in the right spot all the time. And so you, you, there's a few examples of, of his guy being the primary read and the quarterback looks and then he just goes elsewhere. Um, so we'll see. He's got great feet and he plays more physical than people think. Um, so again, I'm raving about him, but that's only because, I mean, he really has been a stud so far by my eye, but there's almost always something coming there when you are a, when, when you're a rookie, you, there's always a reckoning, whether it's a moment against Jamar chase or whatever. Right. So, but I really, I like Trent McDuffie a lot. I was just giving you a hard time there, but he so far has played really well. I'm excited about what he can bring to the table. Um, I'm curious what we see from Watson and Williams, especially more so because McDuffie, hopefully he just stays the course. Yeah. You mentioned Jamar Chase. I definitely want to, I'll definitely want to see him uh, go up against Jamar Chase like see how he fares in that matchup later on in the season. That's going to be interesting to watch. So. Well, he got some good receivers to start the season off with. He got Keenan Allen week two, so. so he's going against a lot of good receivers. And that's, yeah. I mean, Keenan Allen has embarrassed a lot of corners. And basically all of them. I will never forget him pointing at Marcus Peters and waving him over because he'd cooked him. And Peters is a good yeah. corner. Um, and and he he just Keenan was a terrible matchup for Peters. Like that was the precise kind of wide receiver that was a bad matchup for him. But I'll never forget watching him wave him over. It's like, oh, that's got to be a bad feeling when you're a corner and you're in that like, you can't guard me. I know it. You know it. Fans know it. That dog over there knows it. Like that's hard to do. And Seth, so I, I we don't I, speak I, about that game on here, Seth. What are you? Doing? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> but, uh, well, it's it's it, all. I'll, I'll, I'll even it out. That's like the only bragging rights Keenan Allen has been able to get his whole career because they haven't won anything. So exactly. there you go. it's all evened out now. Um, <laughs> that'll be an interesting one to watch though. Allen works out of the slot a lot. So I'm guessing Sneed will be more working against him, right. but that'll be a really good one to watch against a guy who's an absolute technician. Um, he's right up there with Kelsey as like the best route runners in the league. Yeah. Him and Devontae and Kelsey. Yep. Yep, those, those three. Uh, Renfro's getting up there too, honestly. I really like yeah. that guy's film. Dude oh, yeah. looks like, what is it? You know, he looks like a middle school chemistry teacher, but <laughs> he just like, he runs, he just cooks everyone. Playoff Raiders, man. They cover, yep. we got to be ready. <laughs> oh, man. <Anyway>. So, <laughs> um, man, this is this has been an absolute pl- pleasure. Um, 
we've been following you for a while since you, Seth, you are, you are a machine, actually. I really want to compliment you on you. Because Seth does, like when you were at AP for a while, you were doing like 100,000 word articles <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> and breaking down every Mahomes snap. It's like, Seth, nobody's telling you to do that. You don't have to do it. But we are so grateful that you do it in the kingdom, bro. Like, uh, you've been you, – you, you're a machine, bro. You're a machine. Well, With I – a lot I, of kids. I don't like <laughs> jobs. I don't handle compliments well, but I, I do I do really appreciate it. Um, you know, it's it's been – it's a fun job to do. I, I feel very blessed to do it. And and I, uh, it's good to, it's always good to like have your insanity kind of rewarded where it's like, you know what, you know what no one's probably done. No one's probably charted every throw of that game, you know, and that's, you know, a little crazy, but it's how we learn. And so, yeah, it's uh that's, I, I appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. And, and, and I appreciate you guys having me on. Although I am, I have overstayed by 20 minutes over what I told my wife who's going to kill me. Oh, like, she's so scary, guys. No one believes me, but she's so <laughs> scary. And I love her in case she watches this. I, I really yes. love her. She's scary. She did. She uh, she was Mrs. Minnesota Chiefs fan on Twitter. Yeah, she, yeah. De- she deactivated a couple of months ago um, because just Twitter is – Let's face it. Twitter's a cesspool. Yeah, it is. It is. And and it's it's been good to me. But like she was just like she. It made her mad sometimes seeing some of the things people would say to me, um, and, and just like stuff like that. And she's just like she's like I don't even know why I would go on here. The only reason she was on there, she would never really check her account. And you know how Twitter is. You log on and like two minutes later, you're like, oh my god, the world is ending. Like. <laughs> it's over man like this this is it this is it asteroids coming and she just she she's like i don't need this in my life because she's like a well-adjusted adult and so um so yeah she uh so she's no longer on twitter i did tell her that that bothers me though because i don't have a lot of things to flex on in my life i'm a quarter <laughs> japanese dude with a desk job i'm about as uncool as anyone out there, I say things like uncool, <laughs> but it was always nice to be able to at my wife in any <laughs> conversation and say, yeah, but man, my wife's hot and that's fun to be able to do. And now I can't, now she's like my girlfriend in Canada that people don't believe exists. Hey, by the way, if you haven't watched the Manti, the Manti Tale, whatever his name is, if you haven't watched the documentary on Netflix, go watch it. And and some of y'all owe him big apologies, but come on, bro, wake up, bro. You knew the girl wasn't real. Come on, now. that's, but, uh, that's, uh, that's like I said, Chef, yeah. <laughs> you are amazing. Uh, we appreciate the time you gave us, even the extra time. Tell your wife. We apologize for keeping you so long, but you were so good at your job. We we couldn't stop. So, you know. <laughs> You're trying to embarrass me, whatever. Um, no, and I'll just do what I always do when I'm late on a thing. I'll just tell her it was Briscoe's fault. And 
Oh yeah, oh, so, it's always Briscoe fault. That's yeah. a great excuse. That's a great excuse. Uh, if if you have to be living under a rock, but uh, Twitter name, uh, the 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 newsletter, Seth of the uh, Chief of the North, uh, Times Up podcast, Time is Ours podcast. Yep, Times Ours podcast, the Chief of the North newsletter. Um, if you if you want to subscribe to the newsletter, you know, obviously it's a Substack, it's a paid newsletter. Um, if you go rather than just googling the Chief of the North newsletter, if you go to the bit.ly slash Seth really hates money, um, that's that's the sixty percent off that I did when I started, and I just haven't taken it down. So you can subscribe <laughs> for twelve dollars a year. Um, Seth hates money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seth really hates money. Bit.ly slash Seth really hates money. Briscoe invented that. I, that man is haunting my dreams at this point. Um, so, oh yeah, RGR football on on Thursdays too. So, yeah, man, you are a busy guy. You really are. Hey, football is a great sport. Who doesn't love talking about it, right? All right, so I'm not gonna wait two years for you to come back either. So just know that. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Appreciate Seth, it, Seth. Seth. Thank, Thank you, man. Woo! Seth, Seth Kaiser, ladies and gentlemen. Seth Kaiser. I got it right this time. Thank Beautiful. <laughs> but by the way, Hefe. no, no, Hefe. You got catfish, bro. Come on now. We're, we're, we 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 gotta talk about he can't right now. Yo! <laughs> you gotta leave them Twitter ones alone, bro. <laughs> okay, quickly, let's go over man talk Teo. Uh, have you watched the documentary? No, I haven't. Oh, y'all gotta watch it. Yeah, I, gotta I, gotta watch it. Seen, I ain't gonna lie, man. That shit creeped me out, man. When I seen what the the catfish look like now, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, look like uh, a penguin and shit. I'm, I gotta get out there, man. <laughs> Hey man, Kingdom Cast, like and subscribe. <laughs> like and subscribe. We're gonna edit that part out because I don't know. <laughs> man, he's a real charger, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yo, shout out to the chat room, Paul, Kyle, uh, Bleed Green Bits, uh, Reginald, who else all up in here? Hefe, of course. All of y'all, man, uh, y'all keep rocking with us. Go vote for um, what round we in on the bracket. Yeah, we, we, we're down to final. four quarterbacks, people. Four quarterbacks in the ultimate. The final four. Yeah, man. So Don't let Damon Hewitt, don't let Damon Hewitt win this round, bro. Or no, Chad no. Henney. Yeah, I'm going to say, wait a minute. Time out. Yeah, first of well, all, it's, it's Rich Gannon versus Tyler Thigpen and Stephen Bird going up against Chad Henney. And last time I checked, it's been Rich Gannon and Chad Henney leading the way. That's Chad Henney. Man, listen, there's been some recency bias throughout this uh, throughout this little bracket that we've done, man. Like I can't, I can't believe they got Casey Printers out of there just like that. I thought Casey Printers was going to go a little bit further. Well, you put two black quarterbacks against each other. Of course, of course he's going to get eliminated. No, nah, you did that. Set up, Chuck. No, Illuminati. <laughs> Stop, Boogie. <laughs> nah, Yo, man, 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 keep rocking with us, bro. Y'all keep rocking with us. Uh, keep subscribing. Keep the numbers going up, man. We appreciate right, each and every one of y'all. Uh, 
All right, Paul. All right, Paul. I'm with you, Paul. Let's relax, Paul. Let's we relax, Paul. Like that. I'm with you, Paul. Hey, Paul, you got to put down the organization, dog. The organization didn't bring them back, bro. You can't you can't do Rich Gang like that, dog. You're right. I'm, I'm voting Chad Henny as soon as this episode ends, man. You show <laughs> Paul, you too, Paul. Once they suicide, we ain't messing with them, man. I'm with you. Chad Henny. Let's get it. Oh, we out, book. Take us out, bro. <laughs> Go Chiefs, man. See y'all Thursday. Yes, sir. See y'all Thursday, man. We out of here. Thanks. Boogie, you hate it.